From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 67. Today's show is brought to you by Braintree, Fracture, and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Stephen Hackett is out on assignment this week, so it's just yeah. me and you. He's, uh, he's reporting on the field uh, for car sharing services. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's he what he's actually. doing. <laughs> so this starts one of those horrific things where now me and you have to do the follow-up, which is it just never goes yeah. well. Um, I, I will hold your hand, Mike. We can, thank we're, you. We're in this together. We can, we can do this. It's all I ever want, really. As long as we're in this stuff together, I'm happy. So l- let me start, Mike. Okay, uh, please. So last week we, we were talking about the pro apps on the App Store and developers uh, building apps for professionals and selling them, you know, not at $2, but maybe at a higher price and trying to make a a pro business on the iOS App Store. Well, I got an interesting email from Tim Shayton. He works for GTI Predictive. And this company, this is quite difficult for me to explain because they do crazy stuff. But basically what they do is they created an entire division of their company to replace industrial instruments and other tools with iPad software. So they make apps like a vibration analysis app uh, called Vibro or a machine shop balancer or a thermal imaging app. They make thermal growth adjustment for shaft alignment. I don't even know what it means, but it sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, science, right? And these apps are not sold at your typical app store price. Um, For example, Face Pro, which is a face analysis app, it's $200 on the app store. I just wanted Um, to just point out it's phase, right? Because it sounded like you said face, which is kind of funny. Like It just analyzes faces and gives you a rating (laughs) out of 10. It's it's phase. (laughs) I I don't know what a a phase in 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 industrial whatever is, but... Still, uh, Vibe RMS, ma- machine certification, $200. And they have built a very prof- profitable business uh, with this kind of very specific, very niche, but, uh, you know, uh, advanced iPad software. And it was very kind to send us an email with all the links and the, the details on the, of these apps. And, th- I mean, this is one of the many examples that I had in mind. You know, uh, a company trying to find a market segment, a very specific one. And once you find your audience, once you find your market and you make a software that becomes irreplaceable for, you know, for people or for other companies, they're going to give you a lot of money. If people find the kind of tool that they need, not just that they like, because this is not about, you know, personal preference. This is about getting work done. So once a company or once an individual or a small team, it doesn't matter. Once people find what they need, they're going to give you money. Yeah. The market is there. You just need to find it. The market might not be huge. And in those instances, you just charge a ton of money. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the, it's the kind of you know advanced software that requires a very high investment beforehand. And you're, you're allowed, basically, by the market to charge this kind of money afterwards. So thank you, Tim, for, for the follow-up. And it's such a great example. If you, if you, I don't know, if you run a factory, maybe you should check out the apps on the App Store. Uh, or if you're Dr. Drang or someone like him, maybe you will need these apps. I don't know. Uh, they look you know, awesome to me because I don't understand what's going on in there. So it looks like... A, they like, look awesome in a 
non-usual awesome kind of way, right? Yes. Because they kind of look like hell to me, right? Like, yes. It's just all this stuff and I'm like, I don't know what you do. But that's the kind of awesomeness about it because I look what's at a, it and I'm like, I can see that this thing exists, but I don't know what any of it means. What's the, the German word for being fascinated by something you're really afraid of? But There's going to be, be one. one. There's going to be one. Uh, chapter so, markers? I'm not sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, uh, tell us about uh, the other items in the follow-up. So, Lauren wrote in, um, and we were talking last week about there kind of being an Apple app or like uh, a banner app for the iPad Pro, right? Like the big thing, like GarageBand or something like that. And Lauren wrote in to say, it seemed obvious to me at the announcement that the banner apps for the iPad Pro are Adobe Comp, Adobe Photoshop Fix, Office, Procreate, and the Anatomy program that nobody will ever use, just as Pixelmator was the banner app for iPad Air 2. I completely agree with this, right? They brought those... Uh, developers onto the stage and they were showing what these apps could do and additionally you know they gave uh, kind of early access to people like 53 and this definitely underscores the point that I think I was making last week about like you know that there are apps they're just not Apple apps but I think that this further shows the change that Apple are going through with these things they used to be the company that made this stuff but now they're kind of outsourcing it and, you know, I just don't know if that is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Like, should Apple be kind of setting the pace and showing what should be done on these things? Or should they be working with third parties to create different experiences? I don't I don't know what the right answer is, um, but it, it w- I think it would be nice to see a mix of both personally, because there is kind of like a... I think there is like a perception thing that if Apple is doing something, then they believe that it's worth it, right? They're putting their yeah. money where their mouth is. But I do think it's incredibly important that they continue to work with third parties in this way, this more direct way. So th- there are more choices when, when uh, these new features and new products come onto the market. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I also believe Apple should uh, resume their you know, effort to lead by example. Uh, it, it was great to see Apple make, you know, GarageBand or the iWork suit for, for the iPad a few years ago. And now that they're not, I mean, they're still updating those apps, but they're not making new, you know, paid apps on the App Store anymore. And and I feel like they really should, you know, because it's it kind of sets the tone for other developers to follow and to be inspired by Apple. And uh, I, I really want to see Apple make you know Logic and Final Cut for the iPad Pro. I don't think it, I don't think it's too absurd at this point. Uh, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, again, I I have high hopes for next year. Uh, iOS 10, WWDC 2016. We'll see we'll we'll see what happens, Mike. Um, you know, I got I gotta talk about car sharing services again. I'm sorry, Michael. Uh, but we got follow up. We got follow up to handle, and uh, yep. a, a, a lot of people uh, wrote in, uh, including Spanish listener Kikatin. I assume it's uh, the way that you pronounce this. Um, this is the uh, we got this piece of feedback many many times. There's a similar service in other European countries called Car to Go. Yeah, and, and we mentioned this last week. Zipcar as well. Zipcar one that exists yeah. in the US and the UK. Yeah, and Car to Go seems to be available in other European countries such as Spain, Spain, and and I'm pretty sure I I got feedback from maybe Denmark or Finland. I don't remember. Sure. Um, so they they use electric smart cars. Uh, we 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 use you know regular gas <laughs> cars here. Um, Stephen also had a question for you in in the document that we share, Mike. 
Does Mike use any car sharing services in London? Because, you know, very famously, you don't have a driving license. Yeah, so I don't use a service like Zipcar or Car2Go or what was the one that you used? Uh, Enjoy. Enjoy, because I don't drive. (laughs) I can't drive. Um, But I I do use Uber quite a lot. Uber. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's so convenient here in London. And there's some stuff going on right now where, like, the the government and the transport authority are trying to restrict Uber. Um, oh, that's going around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I signed a petition. Uh, look, I know that Uber is kind of like, there are people at Uber that make it like a terrible company, but it is incredibly useful, and the drivers seem really awesome, and everybody that I speak to that is an Uber driver seems to be very happy with being an Uber driver, so I don't know. I mean, I like the service a lot, and it's very, very, very useful to me. So. Yeah, I don't want to get into the politics of Uber uh, yeah. because I got a few a few friends here who have very strong opinions about you know the taxi organizations and Uber coming over. Uh, but I just want to say that from my perspective, from my citizen and user perspective, progress always wins in the end, and that's what people want. Uh, so you could force someone to use you know an old, antiquated, more expensive system, or you could you know open the the door to progress. But I believe that all that always happens in the end anyway. So we'll see. Yeah, definitely. So there you go, car sharing services. This is the show that you go to for car sharing yeah, news. Definitely. Stay tuned to Connected for more car sharing service news <laughs> in the future. Oh man, imagine when Apple makes a car. <laughs> we're going oh, crazy. See, we're, this is the thing we're laying the groundwork, man. Uh, we're just, you know, we can point back to We've been talking about cars for years. <laughs> This week's episode is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, you should be checking out Braintree. They are the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Montreal. Braintree has made the payment experiences in all of these apps so fantastic. Like I was just talking about Uber, right? We were just talking about it. And it's one of the things I love about Uber is the payment stuff is so simple. Like you just put your information in one time and you're good to go. Like it's just sorted out. Like I've got my card in there. I don't ever have to worry about it. I get great receipts. I've never had a problem like that. I've had stuff refunded to me like super easily. Like this is all part of Braintree. And now you can add similar experiences to your own app as well. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billion. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. And they make payment experiences in your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now, you can add a similar experience to your own app as well. Braintree has a full-stack payment solution with support for all payment types that your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more with one single integration. As a user, that is so awesome that I can just choose however I want to pay. And my understanding is, from looking into this, that Braintree is really easy to integrate. Apparently, it's like 10 lines of code to put this in, which kind of seems a bit magical to me. I mean, I guess that's the whole thing about it being seamless and magical. Uh, Braintree is with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection, fantastic customer service, and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash connected. That's braintreepayments.com slash connected for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. Free. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show. So Federico, you published a really interesting article the other day um, about kind of branching out again with your automation. I haven't seen anything 
automation related from you in a while, it seemed like uh-huh. you'd maybe gotten a little bit comfortable with the setting, like the kind of yeah. the setup that you had. So yeah. can you kind of paint the picture? Like you were using editorial, right? And workflows, I assume mainly. Um, but now there seems to have been a bit of a shift in that. Yes. Um, I started using editorial in to August 2013, actually in November 2012, since I got the first beta, and of course the app came out, you know, nine months later in in the summer of, you know, two years ago, and I've been using editorial for all my writing for Mac Stories or, you know, the, the Mac Stories Weekly newsletter ever since. Uh, two years, I, I built, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of workflows in, in, in the app and uh, I used it in conjunction with Pythonista, which is another app from the same developer. And eventually I kind of consolidated all my workflow into editorial. Uh, you know, I made workflows for Markdown, for WordPress, for, you know, Mac Stories deals, uh, for basically everything. And and I was really, really happy with Editorial, and I still think it's an amazing app. It doesn't have anything similar that can get close to its power on iOS. The only problem is, since iOS 9 came out, you know, the first beta in June, I've been wanting to write in Markdown in Split View. Basically, I want to use my text editor uh, in Split View. I want to use it in full resolution on the iPad Pro. I want to use the new keyboard. I want to use the shortcut bar. I want to have all these new iOS 9 features in the text editor that I use every day, which is my most used app alongside Twitter and RSS maybe. I'm living into my text editor and it's the single piece of software that like powers my entire business because yep. without a proper setup, I wouldn't be able to write or I would be really slow, which would be bad, or I would be really annoyed and therefore not inspired, which would also be bad, you know? So I is, I stuck with editorial, you know, on iOS 9, even without uh, split view and iOS 9 features throughout the entire summer. I wrote my entire uh, iOS 9 review in it. Uh, but when it was time to get an iPad Pro and when I was sent the review unit and when I saw what editorial looked like on the big screen, I was really annoyed Um I, I I really couldn't bring myself to to use the 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 app in in you know in basically upscaled blown up mode on the iPad Pro. Like how I feel every day when I have to use Google Docs. Exactly. So uh, I I was wondering, you know, maybe I should. It's time for me to consider alternatives. And for two years, my main problem is there are certain tasks that if I don't automate. I, I'm not leaving editorial. Uh, after many years of automating certain, you know, things on my device, such as, I don't know, creating links or linking to apps or inserting footnotes into my into a document, if I don't have those tasks in an automated way, I'm just not going to do them manually because I'm too lazy or stubborn or, yeah. you know, it's just a force of habit. I have things like that. Um, that I have integrated into my system or have decided not to just because it's like, this is just a little thing, like a, a little additional thing. And if it's not done easily for me, yep. then I'm not going to do it because it's not massively important. It's a little detail. But if those little details take, you know, 10, 15 minutes every single time, it's like, well, I'm 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 not going to do that. So same as you, like, I mean, not in the same kind of ways, but I've got different things in my workflows and my systems that do things for me. Because otherwise, yeah. they just might get left out. 
Yeah, and and uh, and I know that quite a few people maybe like to uh, half jokingly make fun maybe of the, the the workflows that I have, but I'll tell you, some workflows I may have spent you know days putting them together, but they make me. You know, uh, they, they they allow me to make money basically because yep. if I put together a workflow that automates, you know, generating links to apps that are on sale, I can have an article with you know uh, a collection of app deals and discounts, and I make money because those are affiliate links. Or if I have a workflow that lets me, you know, put together screenshots or a collection of links. Very easily, I can save time to do something else, which means more traffic to the website. So there, I try to keep a very practical approach here. I need to be able to get work done. I need to be able to pay the rent at the end of each month. What can I do to speed up, to make my, my core you know, task mm-hmm. easier, faster, or you know, more efficient? So when I was considering moving from editorial, my main question was, can I replicate some key features anywhere else? So I just want to stop about the moving from editorial thing because mm-hmm. I know that kind of your frustrations were that maybe the app isn't being updated as quick as you would like, right, with the, yeah. with new features. Is yeah. part of this like a worry that editorial, if it went away, what would you do? Also, partly, yeah. yeah. That's not the main reason. But it contributes to that. You know? Well, I think uh, that this is something you have to consider. Like considering, yeah. you know, how much of your life is is living in these applications, you need to have a, a backup plan for exactly. if they die or if they go away. It's uh, it's the rule of two for apps. You know, yep. one app is zero apps. One is none. Uh, <laughs> one is none. Uh, so uh, you know, basically, I wanted to give myself options, and it was kind of tough initially for me to co- to consider this process, like. What am I going to judge an important workflow and what's, you know, not useless, but maybe secondary that I can keep editorial in blown up mode, you know, just for that workflow. So I cut my list down to, what is it, like six or seven workflows that I need to absolutely have in an automated way in my text editor. And I remembered one day that was this app that I bought a couple of years ago called uh, OneWriter, and I you know, basically forgotten about this app. And uh, in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that it was possible to create JavaScript actions inside this app. Uh, But maybe, you know, when I was in editorial, I didn't want to acknowledge the fact, or maybe I just didn't need, you know, another app with actions and and scripts. But now it was the perfect time to give, you know, one writer another chance and to to see, you know, what can I do with JavaScript? So it was also a good excuse to learn uh, uh, the basics of a new scripting language. I I, I won't lie here, Mike. I kind of have fun doing these type of things. You know, it makes me... It makes me relax. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it, it makes sense for me because... I like learning, I like being curious, and I like basically challenging my own brain. And I think it's good for for brain health to, you know, to try new things, to, to, to learn every day. Anyway. How did you come back around to one writer? Because, uh, again, the process was, okay, I need another option. I need a text editor. What can I do to automate these key tasks? Right. And I just made the connection. You know, one writer it, it has these... JavaScript support, I can maybe take a look. And when I first uh, read the, the documentation, I realized that it wasn't as advanced. 
editorial, of course. There's no visual workflow building here. It's all scripts and it's all, you know, JavaScript code. You cannot drag and drop yeah. actions. There's no preset actions for you. You're all on your own. Um, like this is the scenario for me where like I could dip my toe into editorial like I can with workflow. And we're going to talk about workflow in a little bit because it's visual, right? So I can kind of, I can use it like building blocks. But I was looking at the screenshots of what you're doing with one writer and it's <laughs> it's impossible for me to understand. So I was like looking at some of this stuff and I can see that you're using Coda, right? Which is, yeah. Coda is so beautiful. Yeah, it is. Oh my word. I, I actually bought it recently. I don't even know why <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I, I can't remember the reason why I did this? Uh, out of goodwill. <laughs> I, I I needed to do something. I can't remember what it was. And I was doing some Googling and it was like Coda could do it. And it was just like one thing I needed one time. And I was like, man, I do love this app. So I, so I bought it. Because, you know, Panic is just one of those companies. Like, I just want to give them money all the time. Right? Like yeah. any, any reason that I can keep... It's like with these guys. It's like with Smile. It's like with the Omni Group. Like I just want to, I just want to give these people money. So I yeah, bought Coda for iOS. It's interesting. There are companies like this. You're just like, let me give you some of my money because I like what you do. You know? Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. I was, uh, I was kind of, I don't know, looking for a new text editor, and I was like, let me just see. It's like, nope, too powerful. Like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> this is not for me. Uh, but it's, 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 you know, oh, stunning. But anyway, so. I'm looking at these these screenshots and I don't understand how any of this works. So how did you even learn JavaScript? Because you don't have a coding background. Like you're like me. Like no, you, you don't. You never went. You haven't got a computer science degree or anything like that. No, no. Like so many of our friends do. You don't have any training in it. Like how did you learn this stuff? So what what I'm about to say will maybe sound like heresy to programmers, but. Uh, at least for me. So I learned a bit of Python years ago. Uh, I read uh, some books and I did a lot of online documentation. You know, I read the standard library documentation for Python and a lot of trial and error, you know, stack overflow questions and common threads, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. I just learned a bit of Python on my own. And with the basics of Python, I feel like it was very easy to, to get started with JavaScript because the main ideas are kind of, you know, the same. You create variables. You need to be careful when you, when you want to use plain text, uh, which is called, you know, literal uh, strings. Uh, and you just need to learn a bit of you know, commands, and they're called... Um, objects and methods in JavaScript. Mm. Uh, but it's different from Python. And I personally prefer how Python is like more readable. I prefer the syntax. But JavaScript... I would I, like to just state for the record that the Connected podcast does not endorse or support any one specific coding language. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is just me. I'm totally... So for programmers out there, please don't get upset. I don't want that kind of follow-up, man. I don't want it. <laughs> yes. Please don't be upset. We are nice guys and I'm I'm just an ignorant person who learned some very basic Python that he uses for very basic scripts that I ever get my job done. So, anyway, uh, I basically took a look at the some online documentation uh, for JavaScript and again a lot of stack overflow and just trial and error. Um, 
a bit of feedback for Coda. Uh, so you can edit code in, in the app, but you cannot run or execute JavaScript. You know, it's not a, an interpreter. It's just a text editor. So I was looking for something like Pytho Pythonista, but for JavaScript on iOS. And sadly, I couldn't find any options, Mike, aside from a single app called IJS, which has not been updated for the iPad Pro, which doesn't look good, but which executes JavaScript on iOS. Could it be bumping into some kind of App Store rule? Is that the problem, maybe? No, because Pythonista exists, so mm. you know. Pythonista's had some problems, though, over time. Yeah, but it's fine, you know? It doesn't do... It's got its own interpreter built in. It doesn't do anything to the system that doesn't require your permission, you know? So when you uh, write the code, uh, you have to put it into one writer to execute it to see if, see if it actually works. Your test exactly. is to put it back in the app. See, that's not elegant enough, really, is it? No, no, no. And if anyone is listening, developers, consider the market for a JavaScript interpreter on iOS. I, I don't think it's too crazy. You know why, Mike? Because in the next few months... You're going to see, and I'm not going to tell you who or what or when, but you're going to see a lot of developers uh, starting to use JavaScript for automation in their iOS apps. You'll see. I, I believe there's going to be a market, but, you know, we'll follow up on this. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, I needed to edit the text in Coda and paste it into one writer and see if it worked. Uh, there was a lot of trial and error involved, Michael. Uh, I spent two, three days basically locked into this JavaScript environment, trying to replicate all my workflows. And in the end, I did manage to to build them. Maybe they're more simplified. Maybe you know they're not as advanced or fancy as the workflows in the tutorial, but they replicate the same functionality. But something even more interesting happened because I was using one writer in Split View. I found myself not needing a lot of the workflows that I used to have in a tutorial as a full-screen app. So the ability to use this new text editor alongside maybe Safari or, mm -hmm. you know, my mail program or something else basically cut the many of the, the needs for, you know, workflows into a single app. So because I can look at two different apps at the same time, I don't need to do a lot of automation anymore. My workflow for, you know, inserting links from the editorial browser into the text editor, now it just became kind of useless for OneWriter because I can just put Safari next to next to the app, tap and hold the Safari address bar, copy the link, and I create a link uh, in, in in the app because it's got a it's got a link button in the in the in the shortcut bar, thanks to iOS nine. So yeah. you know, these iOS nine features. And the ability to use two apps at the same time kind of made me reconsider some of my automation. But that's not to say that I don't need automation. So I'm still uh, doing, you know, I have a workflow for generating App Store links. I have another for footnotes. I actually have two for footnotes. Uh, today, I just published another one to send my, my, my text to Workflow, which has a new action that publishes it to, to my website because it's got a new WordPress support, which is awesome. So... It was an interesting process, and and I and I put a, a big giant disclaimer at the top. Mm -hmm. If a tutorial gets an update, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm probably gonna move back, uh, because all this was you know coming from the perspective of I'm really annoyed because the tutorial doesn't have iOS nine integration. When it does have you know iOS nine features, 
I'm probably going to be tempted to go back. Uh, but but there is a big benefit in doing what you've done exactly. because you you've kind of flexed your muscles a little bit more and yeah. can see that there is options for you outside of editorial, which is very important. Yeah, and you know it was fun first of all for me. It it makes me feel maybe a little more secure about the kind of tools that I use because if editorial disappears, I got this other option, or if the other option disappears, I got editorial. You know and. It was also, it was informative in a way, not just about JavaScript, but to understand the way that I work. Like I feel that I understood my needs and my requirements, especially now after iOS 9, a little better because I now, like, I like to do this kind of introspection, workflow introspection, I guess you could call it. Every year, I like to understand what I really need, how I can simplify my life, how I can save time because the end goal for me is... I got three goals. I want to write stuff that I'm proud of, I want to make money, and I want to spend time with my family and my friends. So if I can, you know, when it comes to work, if I can create the kind of setup that allows me to do this, I'm really happy. So every year I like to do this kind of uh, self-analysis and trying to understand what I can improve. And this is one of those one of those scenarios. You know, I took a look at what's my key task every day I need to write. And what do I use to write? I use this text editor. And what's the problem here? It doesn't support iOS 9. So what can I do? It was a very fun and I feel useful process, Mike. So going back to the coding thing, you mentioned that you wrote some code from scratch, even though there were other things out there, right? Like code libraries or whatever you would call it, like examples that you could use. Um, Why did you do that? Why did you decide to write stuff from scratch instead of like just borrowing from what other people had done? Uh, because um, th- there was no uh, alternative. There wasn't no... Like, no one has the need to, uh, I don't know, place the cursor next to a footnote <laughs> and see what the footnote right. says. So while stuff exists in general, it doesn't exist in the Federico Vitici way. Exactly. And okay. I'm very nitpicky about sure. the the automation that I like to do. So I used, uh, you know, Philip uh, Grunage. He does fantastic job with JavaScript and with Python also on his website, one tap less. Uh, so I borrowed, you know, his uh, App Store <laughs> action for uh, one writer and I-, I had to modify it to my needs. But, you know, if I didn't have uh, Philip's work as an inspiration and as a model, I wouldn't probably be able to do that because it requires, you know, web actions I you know, beyond my knowledge, but I could modify it to show lists, you know, to give me options and that kind of stuff. Um, in many in many cases, I like to use something that it's made by other people. So I can also save the time I would have spent, you know, making it my own and, and writing from scratch. But in, in, in the majority of, you know, the workflows that are really key to what I do, like footnotes or markdown links in editorial uh, I I always need to to make them from scratch because the time that I spend optimizing uh, a workflow made by someone else I could have used that to make it from scratch and to make it better from the get-go so when possible I like to download workflows from others but in general I try to use and this is also the reason why I I, I make my, my actions and my workflows available to other people. I try to use them more as a learning tool, as a, as a like, 
I take a look at an, what another person does, and then I'm going to use that knowledge to make my own workflow, to make you know my own setup here, because I can take a look at the example. Um, this is what I do, Mike. <laughs> I download stuff by other people. I take a look, I learn, I try, I fail, I spend two days, I text you, you tell me I'm crazy, and then we do a podcast about it. <laughs> um, for the remaining actions that you have in editorial, the ones that you can't recreate, I'm mm-hmm. assuming because they're too complex, maybe. Um, what is the backup there? Like, do you have any thinking in mind? Like, what are you going to do with with some of those? If you know, like, preparing for it's not right. There's no reason to say that editorial is going away. There's no reason to say it won't get an update. But what this has highlighted is a potential hole in your uh, system, a little chink in your armor, you may say. Like, yeah. what is the backup there for you? That if if or say, for example, Apple pulled this app from the App Store. Like what? Mm-hmm. What would you do? So what I can do is, if really there's no alternative to editorial on iOS, my more advanced actions are basically all based on Python. So I can take the Python code, um, basically replace some of the visual actions with more Python code, and I can use the code in Pythonista. If also, you know, there's a problem with Pythonista, maybe it goes away, disappears, or Apple removes it, I can take the Python code and use it on my Mac. So if there's no option, Python code is open to everyone. I can still use that in some form on some machine. So, you know, uh, the, 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 the worst case scenario is I end up with a bunch of Python and I need to run it on my Mac. But, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Have you ever thought about having somebody build something for you? Yes. I I I, uh, I considered the option a few years ago, you know, just make these apps for me. Uh, maybe I will consider it again in the future, you know, because uh, I, I was thinking about this just before uh, editorial came out, basically, three years ago, uh, mm-hmm. when I was recovering from treatments. You know, I was like, maybe now I should just consider making, you know, apps for me that I can use and that I can pay to keep them updated all the time. Um, then editorial came around and, you know, I, I, I started playing with editorial and then workflow and all these other apps. But now I, it's been in the back of my mind again, you know, to kind of say, hey, maybe, you know, if someone was making this app, like an internal app just for me, you know, maybe I could have the craziest features available exactly the way that I want them. Uh, I don't know, Mike. Uh, uh, it's something that I think about every once in a while and lately more often, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon. So there was one piece that I wanted to to read, a little quote, um, which was from the, the article that you wrote, which of course is in our show notes. And it goes like this, by being able to use one writer alongside other apps with split view on iOS 9, I'm finding myself depending on fewer workflows. Using two apps at the same time has cu- enabled me to cut down the number of steps required to reduce time spent editing, researching material, or publishing articles to WordPress. Now, when I read this, I had like a, a flashback to your iOS 8 review. Hmm. where you spoke about how you were using URL schemes less and less because Apple were building in tools to reduce that requirement. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it reminded me a lot of that. So it's like the same kind of idea that this is a display to me that, contrary to what many people may say or believe, including us at times, the iOS is growing and becoming more powerful. Yeah. And 
like some of the crazy stuff that Federico Vettici has done over the years is now kind of being implemented in Apple's way. Yeah, it, actually, that's that's great. You know, follow up, Mike. I had forgotten about that. Uh, I'm still using URL schemes. You know, just today, for example, in the one writer workflow communication, but that's maybe the only URL scheme I've used in like six months. So definitely it's, I've seen, especially, you know, starting last year with iOS 8 and extensions, I've seen myself, uh, you know, kind of coming from this perspective of I've been relying on these crazy workarounds for many years to speed up, you know, the time that I, that I, that I spend in, in those apps and now I'm using these system features and it's happening again this year, you know, with uh, multitasking and split view. I'm like, if I'm looking at two apps at the same time, is there really anything to automate anymore? Because I can just move the data, you know, with these two apps that are available to me at the same time. And definitely I've been noticing, you know, moving from trying to trick the system into using the system in a way. I'm not employing so many workarounds anymore. In fact, uh, I think I'm using native features more and more in combination with, you know, standalone apps. So it's not like I'm using URL schemes and, and, you know, bookmarklets to move from app to app because that's kind of an option. I'm using split view, I'm using the shortcut bar, I'm using extensions. Then if developers take advantage of these features, you know, to build crazy apps such as workflow or drafts or, you know, run writer, that's even better. But the key aspect here is iOS has improved. And for people who get work done like me, and not, this is not just about blogging, you know, or writing reviews, this extends to many other uh, aspects of working and, and doing these, you know, this... Uh, productive tasks on, on iOS. The system is now capable enough and um, there is a, a parallel maybe to last year, Mike. So I, I will, I'll, I'll give you credit. Uh, that's good follow-up. This isn't the only thing that you've been playing around with this week. This mm-hmm. It's been like Federico workflow week. Uh, <laughs> so we have a couple of other little interesting things to talk about. But before that, Let's take a break to thank Fracture for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected. Fracture is the company that will take your favorite images and print them directly onto a lovely sheet of glass for you to proudly display or give as gifts. Fracture prints really are something special. Um, As we said before, we love what Fracture make. I have a bunch of Fractures. We all have Fractures, and the reason is because they do look so fantastic. It's also great working with this company. They're so passionate about what they do. They love it when they get the opportunity to print people's important moments, you know, the things that they care about or achievements and accomplishments that they've made onto these glass prints. You know, they they love that, and and we love being able to talk about what they do. I have so many Fracture prints, like in a home of of podcast artwork, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some more real soon because it's one of those things like fractures are just i don't know it's it's just such a beautiful little thing to have it takes these images that we have in our photo rolls and in our streams or our websites or you know in our computers allows us to put them and display them proudly somewhere it really makes it a very different thing when you kind of put a picture of your family on the wall rather than having it you know in your photo stream it's a way to rescue those photos and display them proudly and fracture is the best place to do that 
They assemble them all by hand in their factory in Gainesville, Florida. And I will mention again, you know, we are not far away from the holiday season now. If you want to make sure that you try and get those in at time for December, if you're thinking about buying some fractures for somebody as a gift or having them gifted to you by a family member, make sure that you go to FractureMe.com and get started as soon as possible because Fracture, their factory gets very, very busy and Rightly so, because their prints are so fantastic. So head on over to FractureMe.com to learn more and get started now. You'll be able to pick from some great sizes. You'll be able to pick uh, from hanging on the wall, mounting them. You can get a little stand to some of the smaller ones. They have great square and rectangle-sized prints that they can do for you. And if you use the code CONNECTED at checkout, you will not only get 15% off your first order, you'll also help support this show, which, of course, is very important to you, I hope, as it's important to us that we can stick around. Once again, huge thanks to Fracture for supporting Relay FM. And don't forget, if you get some fractures printed, I love to see pictures of them, so feel free to tweet them to me. I like to see what people get printed out onto their fractures. So Federico, Workflow, the Workflow app, um, has also continued to be a big and important thing to you, and there's also some new stuff that you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, today the the app was updated to include a new publish to WordPress action, which is exactly what I've been dreaming to have for basically forever on my on my iPad. So you can now send any text or rich text or images to your WordPress blog or blogs because you can add multiple accounts, both WordPress.com and self-hosted WordPress.org blogs. Uh, The latter is what I use at MacStories. You can send any text and you you can pre-program any, you know, specific field. So you can set a title or you can set, you know, categories or tags or slugs, excerpts, you know, all the basic fields of a WordPress item you can access in workflow you can put in some text you can use variables you can combine them with actions and you can build workflows just for wordpress which is amazing and again i've been trying to do this for many many years i remember back in 2010 or 11 maybe i got this link in the in the review today i started to use blogsy which used to be one of the first blog editors for, for the iPad. It got a really skeuomorphic interface back in the day. Uh, it was one of the first apps to kind of bring the, the, the ideal, you know, of Mars Edit on iOS. Was that the uh, one with the rabbit? The rabbit? No. It had a it, little rabbit icon. Oh, yeah, maybe it had a rabbit. Maybe. Yeah, I think they had a little rabbit. Like a black icon, maybe. I don't know. I I remember a cartoon, or maybe that was something else. I remember some. No, no. There this... was an app that had like a cartoon rabbit, and it was it was like a Mars Edit type app. But anyway. No, this one is blogsyapp.com. It got a typewriter icon. Okay. Um. And I remember, you know, being fascinated by this idea. So I was coming from the, of course. It, you know, five years ago, from the from the, the background as a heavy Mac user, and I was looking at the iPad, and and you know the thought of being able to get work done on iOS was starting to fascinate me. And I saw this app, and it, it, I remember Broxy was not perfect yet, many many issues, but it was the start of something new for me. And through the years, this. yeah, through the years, I've been looking for. Uh, I, I've tried all of the WordPress capable apps on iOS. Uh, Posts was another one. Poster uh, was the the one that became my favorite. It got acquired 
by automatic uh the company or how do you say automatic i, yeah, I just say automatic like yeah it's got you, two you can't you can't yeah. pronounce those extra t's like you yeah. just can't do that they got it got acquired by the parent company of wordpress and it, it was my favorite and then i moved to in 2013 to public i was so annoyed by you know there, there's no perfect wordpress client that does exactly what i want i'm just gonna make my own and that's what i did in the tutorial i was using python to access hmm. the xml rpc api which is an api that lets you talk to your to your wordpress blog um and i built over the course of many many weeks i built the basically the what i need what i thought was the the perfect workflow for me so with uh, exactly the same the, the the precise uh, sequence of steps that i want so first it lets me confirm a title then it asks me for categories then it lets me use tags and then it finally publishes the article to to, uh, to my website and it takes me to the website to make sure that everything looks okay so i for two years mike i've been using these uh this workflow to publish content to Mac stories for both normal articles and linked uh, items when I link to someone else. Uh, I've been using this every single day for two years and it was a very ugly code, but it got the job done and it was practical. Sometimes that's the way, man. It doesn't need to be pretty. It just needs to work. It wasn't pretty and it worked, but many times it threw me an error because, you know, it wasn't the perfect piece of script because I didn't build any error-checking routine into the code. So it just failed sometimes. And if I had too many tags on WordPress, it just didn't work. So periodically, I needed to go through my WordPress backend and clean up some tags. You know, it wasn't perfect, but I've been using it to publish, you know, my iPad review, my, my cancer story. All my important articles were published that way, uh, except the iPad review that I needed to paste into the website first and save as a draft and very nervously confirm that the embargo time was up and that I could publish. I just, you know, didn't trust Python for that. But everything else, 99% of my articles all done with the ugly Python code. So when the workflow team approached me a few weeks ago, they were like, hey, uh, we're, we're making, we want to make a WordPress action. Can you give us some feedback? I was... Uh, ecstatic doesn't even describe the kind of feeling, you know. It's like you're, you, you, the single aspect of your job <laughs> gets drastically improved overnight, you know. It's like you, you, you need to transport something for a living and overnight you go from very, you know, tiresome transportation to being in charge of a space rocket, <laughs> that was what I keep thinking about. It was such a such a such an improvement for me, and this action is amazing because I can combine that with, uh, with I can combine it with uh, with anything, and it's it's not Python code. It's got an interface. It's got menus that I can see and that I can customize, and I can use it you know with any text editor, not just with one writer, which is what I'm doing now. But I can use it in drafts if I want. I can use it with notes if I want. I can use it in an editorial. And this is the kind of freedom, you know, that, that using plain text, using Markdown, and relying on the system, not on a single workaround or not on a single app, 
this is the kind of freedom that you get. You know, you can, you have portability of your workflows. You can move from app to app because, you know, the iOS share sheet is open to every app and work, workflow, as long as you give it text, it's going to publish to WordPress. And so I've been, all the, the, the articles that you've seen on Mac Stories for the past couple of weeks, they're all being done with workflow on my iPad or the iPhone uh, with, uh, with this action. And it's so, so much better for me, Mike. I'm just so happy. <laughs> so what actually makes this different? Then? So is it, just, is it just making the step easier? Is it still going through all the same processes that you went through? So like, how, how is this published to workflow action even working? So it's the same steps. Um, I provide some text, which is my article's text, and I copy the file name of my TXT file, which is what I used to write, to the iOS clipboard. And the workflow uh, applies title case, which is the kind of format that I like for my headlines, uh, lets me confirm the title, you know, if maybe I need to make sure the title case looks okay or if I want to make some last-minute changes to the headline. And then it takes the, the text and it asks me, is this a normal article or is this a linked post? Uh, if it's a linked post, I pick a link that I want to use as the, you know, the actual web page that I'm linking to. Um, if it's not, it just goes straight to WordPress. And in the WordPress action, uh, what it does is... It uses the title that I provided as the article title. Uh, I'm logged into my account, so it uses Federico Viticci as the author. Uh, he publishes now, so I don't have to take care of any timestamp. And he uses the plain text, the markdown that I gave it, uh, because on Mac Stories we use Jetpack, which is a plugin for from Automatic that lets us uh, use markdown in our backend, and it looks like HTML to readers. So it's you know, these are, these are the, the three steps that I like. Uh, I, of course, I didn't mention categories and tags. Uh, ask me for a title. Ask me for taxonomy, so categories and, ta- and tags. And it asks me for a linked uh, or regular article. I need to be able to manually confirm all of these parameters. And I need to be able to make that choice. I don't want the computer to make that choice for me. Uh, and after that, it just goes to WordPress. I don't have to do any copy and paste. I don't have to use the WordPress app. I don't need to, to manually confirm, yes, this is me, or yes, I want to publish now. It just does everything automatically. And it takes me to Safari, to MacStories.net, automatically at the end of the process, so I can confirm that the new post is indeed at the top of the website, and I can you know, go back to work on something else. So I guess the benefit for you then is now that you're able to do this from wherever you are. Like in yeah. theory, you could publish to WordPress from the Notes app. Yes, right. And and not only is it available anywhere, it's much much faster and more reliable than my ugly Python code. It can fetch hundreds of tags with no problem. It can you know give me communicate errors if something happens instead of just failing and it you know it's a much better interface for WordPress because it's all done natively on with iOS APIs instead of being you know a Python <laughs> workaround in, in in editorial it's available anywhere and it's faster and I trust it more than my very poor poor coding skills so and so this is like just another example of the workflow app continuing to grow like 
they have really put a lot of work into this over time and it seems to be getting more and more powerful for people. Yeah, it's, these guys are just insane. Uh, I I see a lot of potential for workflow going forward to you know to expand to to many different services and the idea of uh, you know WordPress it's not it's not completely done yet. For instance, you cannot update an existing article. You can only publish a new one. And you got to believe that eventually you will get a more complete suite of WordPress actions. But, you know, this idea of... It, workflow started as kind of an automator for iOS. Because, you know, the interface and the idea of drag and drop and system integrations. But now it's become much more than that. Because it's perfectly and easily integrated with apps. And it communicates with all these different different web services. You know, it's much more than what Apple is doing with Automator on, on OS X, which is kind of forgotten anyway. This is a modern take and, and a fresh one also uh, on, on automation on iOS, communication between apps, and, you know, in, integrating with all these different uh, attach points. So you can have an action extension. You can have a today widget. Uh, you can run the app, you know, normally, or you can put a shortcut on your home screen. You can use 3D Touch. So it's this sort of automation layer spread across all of these different iOS features and you can use it in any different, in any kind of app that you want. And it's this kind of, you know, freedom and portability that, you know, it's, it's, it makes me feel much, much better about automating in workflow rather than being constrained inside a single app and then wondering what's going to happen. You can make the same argument. What happens if workflow goes away? Well, then yeah. I, I I go back to programming anyway, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, that was why I wanted to talk about this as well because it's interesting to see how the workflow app is continuing to be really, really actively developed. And, and you know, I'm trying not to, to, to cast aspersions on the editor, on editorial, right? It's whatever, it's just they're just different. Um, where it seems like editorial was receiving work but at a slower pace and workflow from what I can understand there is a team of people that that work on this app um, I, I'm interested to know like I don't know if you know uh, the workflow developers do they do they do this for the for a living yeah okay no. so but this isn't all they do though right they have a, they have like an app called Desconnect or something as well yeah yeah but they're really focused on on workflow I think so that is, you know, it seems to be doing very well for them. I wish I, you know, as with always these apps, I wish that they would do something more that I could pay for again uh, because, yeah, you, know, you worry too. about these things going away. And yeah. Workflow is like, you know, like with many of these things, I use it very, very lightly and I really wish that I used it more. Um, but it's for me, it's interesting that like a couple of weeks ago, um, I was talking to Brad at the Pen Addict and I wanted him to make a GIF of, of something. Uh, like, you know, it was just a way that a specific pen action moved and he was going to put it on his site. And I was like, you should make a GIF. And he was like, how should I do that? And I opened up the app store to start searching for like a, an app to turn a video into a GIF. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, hang on a minute. And then I just opened Workflow and built it for him. That's and I was awesome. like, that feels good. Right. Because yeah. I know how to use that app. It's so simple for me to use. And, and I every now and then I just have to remind myself like that is just something I can go into and, and I'm able to build and chain together some basic things. Like it was the same as the other day somebody sent me um, a Dropbox link of an MP3 file on iOS. I was on iOS and like it's so frustrating that sometimes Dropbox links on iOS they just give you a player like you can't 
yeah. download them to your Dropbox, yeah. right? And it's like, why does this do this? So I opened Workflow, I threw the MP3 file in there and it uploaded to my Dropbox, right? Like I, I built that to do that. You yeah. know, like take this MP3 file, extract it, upload it to Dropbox, job done. So it is extremely powerful. And for me, it's like this stuff exists on the Mac, but I don't know how to do it, right? It's It's more complicated. Yeah. Like Automator is way more complicated for me than work. Yes, yes, it is, Mike. So it's really interesting that I can do this stuff more powerfully on iOS, me. You know, I'm sure other people can do it way easier on the Mac than I can on iOS, but I have, there's this tool out there that I can use for this stuff, and it's it's really cool, and I'm very happy that it exists, and, and it's cool that it's getting continually updated and more powerful that's, over time. That's the... What uh, some people don't understand when they say, oh, yeah, look at the iPad. Now You're so cute. You can make workflows to download files. Well, you know, we've been doing that on the Mac for 20 years. That's true. Uh, but these people are maybe missing the point that there's a, a sense of feeling, you know, free in a way when you're able to... Maybe you're in a rush, or you know you're talking to a friend, and you gotta you, you gotta make a GIF, or you gotta make, you gotta download a file, and you can do that wherever you are on a phone, and you can use a 3G connection to work with the web, and you don't have to sit down at a desk and no programming. You can just drag and drop actions, and I can do it. My mom can do it because I tried. Uh, a kid in China. <laughs> A kid in China can do it because it's available on the App Store, and it's a, it's it's like a you know it's this utility that has many many possibilities. And I get the argument about you know you can do this on a Mac, but there's a feeling of in a way liberation in being able to do that you know on a mobile device. And you know I I truly believe that. Even if these apps go away, even if editorial eventually disappears or workflow or, you know, drafts or Pythonista, automation always finds a way. And we, we've we been here before, you know, when when there were no apps, uh, we used URL schemes and, and JavaScript and bookmarklets. And it wasn't as good as as it is today, but it got the job done, you know, for many people. And, and I believe that, you know, if, Things change if Apple changes their mind. I I don't think so. I think it'll only get better from here. Uh, but we can go back. We can figure out something else. And, you know, people who need to get work done on a computer, those who care about it tend to find a way to do it faster or more efficiently. So I, I'm, I'm really an optimist at heart, Mike. And I believe we'll always find a way. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the what you mentioned about uh, helping uh, friends kind of, you know, put together workflows, uh, if you allow me uh, uh, here, I, I wanted to mention that I'm doing something similar uh, for uh, Collab Mac Stories members starting this week. There's going to be a workflow corner in Mac Stories oh, Weekly. Nice. Yeah, people can, can ask me, because this always happens on Twitter via email. So members can ask me, um, you know, ideas for workflows or, you know, questions for inspiration for, you know, how can I do this? Do you have any recommendation? And I thought it was it was fun to kind of put together a mix of uh, of the, the teacher tip and the weekly Q&A session. It's kind of like that, you know, it's a combination of the two. It's going to be fun. 
I got a few a few requests already to make workflows for other people to kind of respond to questions. That's what I'm going to do. It's going to be fun. Uh, so it's going to be available in issue 10, already 10, 10 issues, crazy, of MacStories Weekly. Uh, it's going to be sent later this Friday uh, and actually more like Saturday morning because, you know, Mike, I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving this year also. Oh, yeah? Yes, I am. Finally, my dream is coming true. Uh, one of Silvia's teachers is from the US, is now living in America, and the entire dance school is throwing a Thanksgiving dinner to celebrate with the teacher oh. and all of the students and, you know, uh, boyfriends and girlfriends. And, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be so nice. Uh it's going to be like 30 people. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> so, where can people sign up for Club Max Stories Federico? Uh club.maxstories.net and you can you can find all the options there. And that's where you can get some artisanally crafted yes. workflows from <laughs> Federico Vitici. Yes, directly from the source. <laughs> that's what's going on here, Mike. Okay, Federica, I want to, I have an Apple Pencil now and I want to talk about it a little bit and talk about the fact that I wrote a, a review for it. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that might be a little fun to explore. But before I do that, let me just thank Squarespace for helping support this week's episode as well. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and you want to use the offer code WORLD at checkout. That will get you 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to finding a place for yourself on the internet, Squarespace is somewhere that you should be checking out. They give you all of the power that you need to build a website just as you like. And they take away all the stuff that you usually have to worry about and fight through. You know, like stuff like Where's your hosting going to come from? How are you going to cache this thing in case it gets popular? What about scaling? What if you get stuck with something? If you don't have a service like Squarespace, you're going to be lost with a lot of this stuff. They give you all of the tools that you need and back it up with fantastic 24-7 support as well. Squarespace have state-of-the-art technology that they use to power all their sites. They ensure security and stability. They're trusted by millions of people around the world, and some of their tools are just fantastic. Like, their templates are so beautiful, and they all feature really powerful stuff like responsive design. You can drag and drop things around, and it's going to look great on all platforms. You can very easily customize your Squarespace website. It's good for anything as well. Maybe you want to set up a store. They have commerce functionality. Maybe you have a portfolio that you want to set up. They have great galleries to do that. They have really great themes and tools for restaurants and for bands. They have like music players and maps integration. Squarespace have everything. And it's not just for people that don't know how to do these types of things. It's also for people that just don't want to have to worry about setting up everything from scratch. And if you are the type of person that does know how to do these types of stuff, maybe you just want to go in and customize some things. Squarespace have their dev platform. So you get all of the power of Squarespace and all of the great features, but you're still able to go in and make some tweaks here and there to just make it just exactly how you want. Like you have that particular little thing that you want to do and you can make that happen. So if you want to sign up for Squarespace, their plans start at just $8 a month and you're going to love it. And if you sign up for a year, you also get a free domain name as well. You can start a free trial today with no credit card required and start building your own website immediately by going to squarespace.com. So you can just go and try it out. And then when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So I finally have an Apple Pencil here. Um, hang on a second. There we go. That's the Apple oh. Pencil. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Uh, just to prove that I have it, I mean, only the Apple Pencil could make that sound, of course. Um, I would like to just reiterate that Apple need to get their stuff together. Uh, I had this, this pencil came to me via Marco Arment from New York City. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, this is the only way. They're still not in London. 
Um, I I cannot find them. I've still been checking in with people and the Apple Store reps, and it still seems like they're just not coming into the store. Um, there might be some in certain places, but they're they're not readily available. Uh, but Marco was able to get his hands on a couple of them, and he very very kindly FedExed it to me, and I've had it for about maybe four or five days, something like that, maybe a little bit longer, close to a week now, um, and. This was a product that I felt so strongly about that I I wrote a review of it, which mm. is a very rare thing for me to do. A review um, with 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 text, Mike, actual not with... written word. Wow. Okay. And I published this. Well, I gave this to Brad Dowdy of the Pen Addict to publish it because yeah. the Pen Addict felt like a really great avenue, a real great venue for me to express my thoughts yes. about this because the way that I was coming to this and my feelings about the Apple Pencil is how is this as a handwriting tool, right? Because, you know, I, I do the Pen Addict podcast with Brad every week and we're very closely connected on this stuff. And it felt to me like this was where it would go, right? Because I, I put a link in the post um to an episode, episode 11 of The Pen Addict, where we spoke about digital tools like styluses and stuff like that and how we felt about them. And in that episode, we were talking about how we both really kind of would like the idea of being able to take real handwritten notes on the iPad. This episode was published on on April 24, 2012. (laughs) So this is something I've wanted for a long time. (laughs) Wow, okay. And the Apple Pencil delivers. Like, that. that's my overall feeling about this is I can take the iPad and the Apple Pencil, the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil, and I can write on it, right? Like I I can use it and I can write a sentence. If I take a piece of paper and a pen and write on that piece of paper and I compare the two of them, they look the same. And that's that was what it always was. That was always the problem is that previous styluses and previous apps, you would have to write in a very exaggerated way, right? You you couldn't be precise about this stuff. Um, at least in a way that made me happy. It was easier to be pr- more precise with drawing tools, but handwriting is very, very precise movement required to to correctly handwrite because right? you're writing very small and you're making very small and subtle movements, but they make a massive difference. And mm-hmm. I have not found any uh, product that has been able to do this before, but the Apple Pencil 100% delivers on that. And And I really, really couldn't be happier with this as a handwriting input tool. It it was fascinating to to read your review, Mike. You sent me a copy before you you published it, and you very kindly corrected my grammar. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a script for that, Mike. But I also yeah. I also read it, and it, it was really a really good one. And, and and I think that you bring a unique perspective that you know a lot of people, including me, don't have because personally I don't use physical pens anymore. So. Uh, I think it was a great idea to publish it on on the Pen Addict. But I wanted to ask you about, you know, writing your review. Does this come from maybe a dissatisfaction uh, with the launch reviews and the <laughs> fact that no one, including me, focused on the kind of aspects that you wanted to cover or to know more about? The problem was twofold. Mm-hmm. One, well, actually, let's say threefold. Does it increase the folds? One, I was dissatisfied, right? Because nobody wrote about this from a handwriting perspective. Nobody did that. Uh, Two, I didn't really feel like anybody cares about it the way that I do. Um, 
And I didn't trust anybody else's opinion when I was asking them for how it was for <laughs> handwriting because nobody could, including yourself, as much as I love you, could really give me an answer that I trusted. Like, yeah. because nobody really cares about this stuff like I do. Yeah, I, I was dissatisfied just simply because there is just no one that, that well, there are, but, the, you know, the, of the people that got these things to review, everybody's talking about this thing as how it is to draw, how the movement is. And and they would say, oh, yeah, you can write. But it's like, no, you, you, there are so many specific things about this that need to be right for me. And one of the ones that I really focus on in the review is the weight. Now, this is something that is so important in, in these types of tools and is very often just forgotten about. But to people like me who care about these types of implements, you know, I love pens and I love pencils. The weighting of these products is so important. And... The thing is, like what Apple did was they put they put weights in this to I believe to serve two purposes. One is to stop the the, the pencil from rolling away easily. The other is they are magnetic, right? So you can you can lightly attach the pencil to the the edge of the iPad, right? It is not a storing device. It is merely I think to just place it down while you type or something like that, which is mm-hmm. great that it does that. But the way they have done this is is key to me that there is a a weight that goes the whole way across the pencil and it yeah. and it feels like the inside is solid to yeah. a point and the reason that, that this is important is that when you hold it it is balanced it's not too heavy on one end or the other that can be killer to a pen yeah. right if if it's too heavy because there's a lot of stuff like of a fountain pen all of the the i'll say mechanism just to make it easy all of the stuff like is right at the bottom, right at the edge of the pen, right? You've got the nib there. You have what's called the feed, which delivers the ink to the nib, the the cartridge, and everything is right at the, the front of the pen, you'd say, like close to the nib. So to make a great pen, in a lot of instances, there has to be some some weighting that goes on the at the back of it, or you need to make it shorter so it's more balanced. But because the Apple pen is, pencil is so large, right? It's very large in, in size, which further kind of... Uh, enforces why they went with pencil name rather than pen they've done good work in making sure that the entire thing is well balanced and when you hold it in your hand it is a substantial thing which is also important because that adds a level of this is a quality product but it also just kind of it helps you control the pencil when you're making fine movement this is a I mean this is kind of like you know and the reason I wanted to write this is the iPad Pro, so people look at the iPad Pro and they're like, that is the Federico Vertici product, mm-hmm. right? That is for you. The Apple Pencil is mine. This is my product. I'm flattered, Mike, but but I agree. I agree. It's definitely your kind of accessory. You know, it's just for you. And it's so different to to have you write instead of, you know, podcasts. And I, I keep saying this, you should do more of this, Mike. Uh, and now I want to say publicly, I feel like there are certain things that you're really good at writing about. And can you describe the process for you to, to write a review? Like how many drafts did you did you make? Like did you go back and forth with, with a version of the review or another version? Like what what's your writing process, Mike? Did you use the the pencil to, to handwrite the review? <laughs> so this is the thing, right? Um, is that I'm not an amazing writer. I'm, but I'm not 
a bad one. Like I feel like I can I can do stuff. Like no no one um no one is criticizing my ability to write when they're reading this piece, which is makes me feel good, right? It's like great. Mm. No one no one's saying, dude, what are you even doing? Like you, you don't even make any sense. And a lot of this comes from, you know, and, and many people that I know that write do this. Like I shared it with some friends and they corrected some things and highlighted some things for me, which is part of everybody's process, I think. Um, because a lot of my friends are writers and I see lots of drafts, right? Like just on a daily basis, things just come away. Like, hey, what do you think of this? It is a normal thing, right? But for me, the, the process of writing is not something that I specifically enjoy in the same way that you do or Stephen does or Jason does, right? Like that is it is not a thing that I really love to do unless I have a really good reason. So like, when the Apple Pencil was coming to me, I was like, it might be fun to write about this. So I just had it in my mind. And then after I started using it for a couple of days, I was like, no, I have to. Like, this is the thing. This is a thing I want to write about because I want to increase the amount of people that could see my opinion on this. So I'll talk about it on the show. It's like, this is the third show this week where I'm talking about the Apple Pencil, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I believe that there is benefit to listening to all of them because I purposely talk about different things in each show. Um, but, like, I can talk about this until the cows come home. I can talk about it forever. But I want to make sure that a lot of people see it. And from from what Brad has told me, a lot of people have seen the Yeah, review. I've seen the link everywhere, Mike. Good job. Which makes me feel good as well. But, like, so to go back to my process, the first thing for me is I have to have a really good reason to start writing because I just don't enjoy it, Federico. Mm. Like with the podcasting, it's so easy. I can just talk, just ra- I just talk, and people just follow me as I'm talking. But with writing, you've got to have like a real, real heavy structure, right? The structure has to be a lot more rigid. You have to really think about it in a, in a different way. Um, like right now, I just stumbled over my words a little bit, but that's totally fine. Like in the podcast, people don't care about it. But they do in the writings. So you have to be more considerate about it. It's just not my approach for getting my opinions and thoughts out there on a, in a usual like day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I struggle with it a little bit and it takes me some time. So the only way that I ever really write is when I have something that pushes me so much that, that it takes away the slog of it because it's something I really want to do. And I I wrote this piece over two sessions um, of maybe a maybe an hour or so each um, and then just making some corrections after sending it to a couple of people Uh, so it was probably maybe like three hours two three hours work um, because I was so pumped up to do it that I really just kind of just went with it because you know how we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago about when you just have that hook and then once you get the hook it just flows out of you Nice. Like that, it happened yeah. to me as well. Like I, I knew what I was writing, right? And it was a simple hook. It was just like compare this thing to the pens you use every day. Mm-hmm. And once that hit me, I just I, I went for it. And and one of the big parts for me about was when I was talking about the weight of the device and the the fact that it rolls, right? Like Apple have tried to implement the weights to stop it from rolling. But if you drop the pencil or like from like a height or with any, if you give it any kind of speed or momentum. People don't like it when I talk about momentum. Uh, it can actually, the weights inside of it propel it forward in a way yeah. that you don't want. Uh, because as it rolls over and over and over again, it speeds up because it's got weight in it. Uh, and I was comparing that to Mark Newson, who works for Apple now, designed a pen for Mont Blanc. And the, his Mont Blanc pen was a cylindrical pen, but the cap had a clip on it. 
And it was just interesting to me to be like, I really wish that they would have put a clip on this thing. But that is like a little thing that only I know <laughs> because I care. Right? I, did you know that Mark Newsom designed a Mont Blanc fountain pen? No. No, no but I do. And I think that that's yeah. interesting because he works for Apple's design team. So I expect he had a hand in this. So, that you know, he might be the reason why there's weights in this thing in the first place. Right? They didn't want to put a clip on it, but he was like, but this thing's going to roll off the desk. You never know, but like I find that sort of stuff interesting. It's like I found my hook and I started the writing process, and and I wrote the whole thing on my iPad Pro on the software keyboard in ByWord, and hmm. I had the Notes app pinned to the side because, like I do with a lot of stuff now, when I get a new thing, whether it's a video game because we're talking about it on the show, or I get a, a new app that I really like that is important, or I get like a new hardware device, I immediately open the Notes app, start a new heading, and just start taking notes. You know, I talk yeah, about what yeah. I think about the hardware, what I think about software integration. I take little notes of interesting things that come up. I do that now, which is kind of cool. I think that's probably what a lot of people like yourself do as well. I mean, I do yeah. it for, for the shows, but it was the same for the pencil. Like I just have a, a notes document that just has a bunch of different tidbits and thoughts. And I use that as a way to help structure the, the review that I wrote. Is there anything that you feel you didn't say or maybe that you didn't say quite right? in the review and if you could go back you would say differently or maybe explain more i don't think that i i focused enough or gave enough detail about the hand, the right the apps that i was using hmm. so like you know I, i spoke about a couple of different apps that, that i'd used like notability and good notes and there are some more out there like for, for actual handwriting like OneNote, for example um, which I didn't really test. And that was just a, a matter of timing. I wanted yeah. to get this thing out as soon as possible um, because, you know, it, the product's been out for a couple of weeks now. So the timing is, you know, it's getting older and older for this review to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens to me as well. When you when you have an idea or maybe a specific angle on a story and you feel like I need to get this out as soon as possible because other people maybe are going to do the same. And, you know, there's a, an argument to be made about, you know, if you're unique enough, you're, if you are differentiated enough, maybe people are, are still going to care about you. But if you want to put an article in front of uh, as many people as possible, having it be unique and new, you know, helps a lot. And I've seen, you know, a lot of people refer to your review as the pen guy uses the pencil. And that's a unique angle that's that's yep. that's like uh you know it catches the attention you know it's got a specific twist to it and you were definitely right in saying i want to get this out as soon as possible so maybe i will skip some sections for the greater good basically yeah. <laughs> there's nothing to say that at some point i mean I, i don't have a specific desire to do this right now um but i'm i might i might follow up um, with with more thoughts about the note-taking apps as more come on the market and more get updated to support the pencil because uh, that's something that I'm going to keep playing with. So potentially in the future, I, I might look at that again. But yeah, that that's the one thing is I, I wished I kind of spent more time with third-party stuff. I spoke a lot about the, the, the sketching tools in the Notes app because they are the best right now, um, but it's not the best app for handwriting. Like for example, OneNote does OCR of what you write into it. Right, And so yeah. I think that into the future, that's going to be amazing. But right now, they don't have any specific um, support for the pencil. Right, They they just don't have that. So OneNote? Yeah. I think they do, actually. No, in the app. So you can... I'm going to open it right now. 
You d word does, but this doesn't. So you can uh, you can click well, on what's, draw. What's the then, difference? Well, so you click on draw and you click stylus, and you have two options: pencil by fifty-three. Oh yeah. Or other. Okay. And then it's like, how do you hold a pen? Like they're trying to do their own palm rejection stuff. Mm-hmm. So that it's it works, but it's not complete i don't think and it's different in word um i haven't used word for it in all honesty <laughs> who does exactly uh, apparently a lot of people do <laughs> it seems to me right now that they are not using they're not using all of the tools that are available i see yeah i've been i've been playing with OneNote, you know um for features like the shared notebooks there's still like the stuff that i keep in in evernote you know ocr i'm not sure i can do that in notes do you know if you can do ocr in notes i don't think you can in the notes app yeah no i think if you set maybe i think i remember from my review if you send a pdf that's already been ocr'd you can search for the text inside the PDF, but definitely you cannot do that for images or handwriting, I think. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I could be wrong about the PDFs, by the way. That's just what I remember. So I'm also playing around with OneNote. It's a, it's a pretty cool app. It's got a, quite a few differences from Evernote, but it's cool. So my One of the things for me about OneNote is, though, it doesn't look like an iPad app. Yeah, it looks like a PC app, <laughs> kind of. You know, uh, the the ribbon toolbar at the top. It's yeah. very Microsoft-y. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you to kind of uh, well, conclude so this. Th Microsoft say on their blog that they do support the Apple Pencil with OneNote. But I don't know. It feels a little bit weird to me. Maybe I need to try it out more. Maybe I've just not given it a good enough shake. Maybe it's one of those early support and there's going that, to be more features. That's kind of how it feels. In all honesty, yeah. so I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I haven't given it a fair shake, and I probably should, um, and I definitely will. But it's just one that I haven't gotten around to just yet. Because I don't know. Like I open one though, and I'm like, you just look weird to me. Like the app just looks kind of weird. It's like, mm. hello Microsoft. I don't know. Like it just looks like a PC app in an iPad. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm that's also what <laughs> what I feel like. So I wanted to ask you, Mike. Um, I assume you're going to be continuing to use the pencil on a daily basis now. Yeah. So how do you use it like in practice? What what do you do? So I have been taking notes on it. I like to kind of do some doodles here and there. But one of the other things is when I'm using my iPad now for like I'm sitting down and doing some work on it, I have the pencil in my hand and I use it to navigate iOS. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Like every day? So you're using the the iPad as a you know, with a stylus. It's a pen tablet, yeah. It's a pen tablet. It works really well. And you're happy with it? I love it. So I will preface by saying that for my Mac, I use a Wacom now. Okay. So I use pen input on my Mac. Yeah, um, yeah, I know for the RSI stuff. Yeah. Okay. And also now, I actually just really like it. Um, okay. But the precision that the pencil gives in all applications is very beneficial for like text selection is far superior with the pencil than trying to do it with my finger. Like I get the cursor where I want it to be 
rather than like hitting it and then having to press and hold and then drag it again. Mm. And dragging the little blue bar thingamajigs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh is way easier with a pencil. But yeah. more than that, like I like scrolling lists with it. Um I like just hitting small interface UI things with it. It just it works for me, man. Like just as a way to use this device, it feels kind of natural to me. It's hmm. so big that like having this like pointing device <laughs> kind of it works. Like this is why stylus exists. Styluses exist on these big devices in the first place. Like it is just beneficial to have this other little thing that interacts with the with the UI. I, I don't know. I I really like it, but I th- I may be in a minority here. Uh, but for me, it just it just really works as a way to interact with the device. I'm sure that you do not do that. No, 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 Mike. Uh, do you feel like you could, uh, you, you, you would like to be able to kind of attach the pencil magnetically to the to the iPad, like as a, as a, like a permanent uh, placement for for the stylus? No, magnetics are, is a bad permanent placement because uh-huh. magnets fall off really easily. Right, mm, not like yeah. you know if something if something is magnetically attached and I pull it, I put it in my bag and the pencil just snags on the edge of my bag the pencil gone yeah. forever, right? Yeah. I want a case that I can just slip it into. You want a, you want an iPad case with a pencil holder? Yeah. <laughs> Someone has to be making this mic. Well, I mean, it's, it would be very easy to do. Um, like so, for, say for example, say a smart case. You know, how you kind of fold the smart case up and under. Yeah. Like one of those panels could have just a little slip thing that you pop it into. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You know, on the outside. So like say uh, yeah. the middle panel or whatever could have a little hole and you just slide the pencil into it <laughs> because it would never get in the way. Imagine a case that's also a keyboard and it's got a it's got a case for the pencil. Man, like that would not- that would be all in killer. one. <laughs> that would be killer. Yes. I mean, people are making this stuff and I'm going to keep my eye out for it. Um but you know, this this is just it's a product that just makes sense to me. These two things together, the iPad Pro and the Pencil, just makes sense. It's, it's such a big device that it feels like I can manipulate it in different ways and use it in different ways. Like, for, for example, uh, we need we wanted to make a couple of changes to our website and we were trying to explain to our designer and developer the way that we wanted it to be done. And we couldn't really explain it over the web. So I took a screenshot of the page, open paper by 53, and just drew on the page what I wanted to be done. Yeah, yeah, that's very nice. Like that to me is like that is a device I want to use, and I wouldn't have been able to do that as easily with my finger. Like yeah. I was able to draw little boxes, write in the boxes what I wanted to be in there, and I sent it to them, and then everybody knew what I liked. Yeah, that's really nice. But that that type of stuff really works for me, and it makes this, it makes the iPad Pro for me more pro. Like a keyboard does for somebody like you and Jason, the pencil does for me. Because it just matches the way that I like to work. One thing that I tried out, Federico, that I thought was pretty interesting was I downloaded SwiftKey mm-hmm. and I was oh, using their didn't. swipe keyboard. No. <laughs> right? So I had the pencil in my hand and I was just... Because if I'm holding the pencil like I was doing something, I was writing, I was drawing, um, I was taking some notes... And I got a text message. And the pencil's already in my hand. So I found myself doing this, just tapping out a quick uh-huh. reply, right? Just tap out, send. And then I thought, SwiftKey would be way easier for this because you just swipe it out like you're drawing. And it was fantastic. But the oh, problem really? is, then I have a third-party keyboard on iOS, which is hell, yeah. which is just hell. 
terrible. <laughs> so it's like, I would really like to be able to do this, Apple. Uh, you just need to get your stuff together about this one as well. Oh, they should, they should have like a feature that uh, w- when you're using the pencil and you get a text field, instead of showing the keyboard, they show you like a little text area and you can handwrite and it becomes text. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this this makes sense to me. Like this year I have been uh upset with a lot of things that Apple have done. Um they've had some some good they've had some really good stuff, but they've had some real misses in places. Some of their 1.0 stuff has been pretty shaky. Like we had a lot of bad stuff to say about the Apple TV, for example. Yeah. I have watch. nothing the watch, yeah, the watch had a bunch of things that were kind of weird. This product, to me, is the best. It is the best singular 1.0 product that Apple have released this year. It's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. the things that we thought were weird about it really make sense. Like, the way that you primarily charge this thing is super weird. It is awkward. You have this pencil sticking out. It doesn't sit flush with the iPad Connect like when you connect it. But <sighs> when you're using this device... That 15-second charge, 30 minutes of use, yeah. is genius. Exactly. But let me ask you this, because I saw this comment. So in theory, it do- it looks weird, right? Uh-huh. But what would have been a better solution? There isn't one. This yeah. is the best solution. This is genius. Because you're using the thing, and it's like, oh, no, the battery's dying. Let me just plug it in for 15 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is not an issue. And then if you want to charge it for longer, you have a p- specific reason you want to charge it to full. Like you could do a couple of things like what I've done. I was watching a movie. I was going to watch a video on my iPad. So I was like, "Oh, so the iPad's just going to be doing nothing for a bit. The pencil's going to do nothing for yep. a bit. Let me plug it in for half an hour." And then it was yep. like 80% battery. So like, that's great cuz I'm not touching it anyway. I mean, yeah, it's not elegant, but it's just doing its thing. But if I needed to, I've got an adapter in the box. I can just plug exactly. it in with the adapter. Like is inelegant, but it is fa- I prefer this to having to plug a lightning port into this every time like a lightning connector into this every time I want to charge like if it had a female connector and I had to plug it in that would be frustrating to me if I had to do that every time it may be inelegant but it's practical and it works anywhere it's a trade off but it is a practical one it is a a crazy sensible way of charging this thing It it makes sense to me as a thing to do because when pens run out of ink you have to fill them and filling a fountain pen is messy and it is a to-do. You know, you have to get the bottle of ink. You have to get some tissue paper to dry up, you know, the, and to blot out. You need some blotting paper so you can get the ink running, uh, flowing again. When you want to sharpen a pencil, like a real pencil, you have to make a mess, right? And yes. like, you're sticking this thing into a thing and you're sharpening it with a blade. It, the, the parallel of this makes perfect sense to me. It is inelegant when you need to refill this thing, but it's mm-hmm. a short action. And then you yeah. get back to work again. Yeah. So... My girlfriend asked me an interesting question uh, the other day. So if Apple were to improve the pencil, like to improve the overall experience of using the pencil, new features, new new something, okay, what do they need to do? Do they need to improve the pencil? Do they need to improve iOS? Do they need to change the iPad? And I didn't really have a, a single answer to that. But you, you are the pen guy. What, what do you think could be improved and how could be improved? So I would like to see a way to store it um, mm-hmm. because I am going to lose this. 
It okay. is inevitable. And it's an expensive thing to lose. It's $100 to replace yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of things I would like to see. The the cap on the end that covers the lightning port is just dying to be lost. So I would like to see a retractable mechanism like a mechanical pencil. So for example, uh, there could be a button on the side of this thing and you press it and the lightning port pops out the top. And there could be like a little trapdoor mechanism that keeps it hidden and keeps dust out of it. This exists on some pens. I would recommend that people, if they wanted to take a look at what I'm imagining here, I'm going to put two uh, pen links in the show notes. One is called the Vanishing Point and one is called the uh, Lamy Dialogue 3. So I'm going to put two links in there. These are fountain pens that have mechanisms for retracting the nib, and they both deal with this in interesting ways. I would like to see something like that for the lightning port. So it is retracted in the pencil. You press a button, and it pops out. So then you're not going to lose that little cap because that's going to be super frustrating when I eventually lose that. Um, I would like to see a clip on this or a flat edge so it doesn't roll away by design rather than just by, you know, we've designed this thing and then put weights in it. Like, that was the way that they fixed the problem, rather than, in my opinion, rather than designing it from ground up that way. They wanted a cylindrical thing, which is very beautiful, but I would like to see a clip on this, or just something that stops it from rolling away. Um, I think for some people, this it's not very grippy. I think it's fine, uh, but it would maybe be nice if... And Apple could do this elegantly to have uh, a rubberized uh, grip, or they could make this thing out of aluminium, and they could have it knurled. And if you don't know what knurling is, um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to um, a pen that Apple sell in their retail stores. Mm-hmm. So they worked with a company called Retro Fifty One, one of my favorite uh, pen making companies, to have something called the Hexomatic. Uh, which is a pen and pencil, and it has this grip on it, which is in the aluminium, uh, which is called knurling. And it's like this, it's, they, they basically put like these, this grid in the aluminium, which gives it a grip. Uh, and I would really love to see an aluminium version of the pencil. So that that's, that's kind of my, what I wish for 2.0, but none of those things are desperately needed. And all of those things are about hardware, not software. Which oh, the software is perfect. Look, all right, so what would I want? You want the obvious. I want this thing to be even more responsive because okay. it's not it's not 100% one-to-one. No, not yet. But it, it will be. We we have to assume that it'll be eventually. Yeah. But that, I mean, that that requires Apple to increase the refresh rate of the iPad Pro's display again. Yep. So, you know, going from... Uh, 240 FPS to 480, maybe? That's crazy. Uh, but, you know, that requires a, a major change and basically another another display technology, uh, which I don't think could happen next year. I don't know. Uh, no, I think we're, we're a way away. I think what will happen is it will get incrementally better over time. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah That's I think my so. feeling about this. But you feel you you feel that you, you know the the changes that you want to see in software besides accuracy and you know speed. Uh, you feel like Apple for this 1.0 kind of nailed the experience. They did a good enough job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, again, it, it is not perfect. Uh, I am still ahead of it, right? Like when I when I'm writing fast, I am ahead. Uh, it is not 
completely keeping up with me, uh, but it is not so far wrong that it's a problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, I am. I'm thrilled with this thing. Nice. That's what I wanted to. I I was really looking forward to your perspective, Mike, and I feel like I want to see more from you on this going cor- forward. You know, <laughs> like using the pencil as a pen. Like I assume there's going to be a whole new c- categories of apps coming. I hope so. Yeah, I mean it, it makes sense, right? P- people have done this for other. I you know or other styling on, on the iPad before and now it makes sense to have like special pencil features and apps coming now that it's you know built into the, the iPad um, one final question that I have for you if Apple were to make the pencil available on the iPad Air 3 next year would you go back? Uh, no I love the iPad Pro Okay. Like, I, I love the, the format. Because, I mean, I'd already decided I wanted to stick with the iPad Pro before I got the pencil, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like for this to be really useful, like, it needs to have a big screen so I have space to, to kind of write out in, th- in full. I don't know. Let me pick up my iPad Air here, right? And just see what it feels like. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I feel like I haven't got enough space to rest my hand and yeah. write yeah. on it at the same right. time. True. True. Like, I'm re- I'm resting my hand on it, and I'm like halfway into the screen. Where on the iPad Pro, I there's more space for me to like rest my hand and write with this thing, um, and yeah. it's more it's more comfortable uh, in that way. Um, but the iPad Air feels ridiculous to me now. Yeah, I know. I'm all I'm, I know what I you love, mean. I love this thing, man. I got to say, this is my the, the iPad Pro and the pencil is my favorite is my favorite Apple device of the year, even including my incredible iMac that I love dearly. Um, but the iPad Pro is is something that I really love, and the pencil just tops it off. It, they're they're a fantastic pairing, and and I'm excited to see where this technology goes, and, and I really hope that that Apple continue to advance their efforts in this in this realm. Very nice. Now it wraps up this week, Federico. Yeah, yeah. I love Good that. job, Mike. You got to talk about workflows, and I got to talk about pens. Yeah. <laughs> How fantastic. It's just perfect. Thank you, Michael. If you want to catch our show notes, which have got some of the apps that we've been using as well as some of the pen options, and if you if you didn't know what I meant about some of this stuff, go take a look at some of those pens uh, and the pencils. I, I hope that it will kind of inform what I would like to see from this device. Um, if you want to find those show notes, they're at relay.fm slash connected slash 67 or in your podcast app of choice. If you want to find us online, you can head on over to macstories.net to find Federico's work, and he is at Vitici on Twitter. I am at iMike. I-M-Y-K-E. And if you want to see Stephen's work, if you miss him because he's not here this week, go to 512pixels.net and he is at ISMH on Twitter. Um, we won't actually all be together again next week. I'm going to be away. Yeah, you're always going around, Mike. I know. We're we're, we're a, a fast-moving bunch. <laughs> yes, we are. So I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but enjoy the show as always next week. Federico and Stephen, I'm sure, will knock it out of the park. I love listening to this show when I'm not on it. It's, it's, it's actually, we make a good podcast, Federico. Did you know that? Uh, I believe we do, Mike. <laughs> some, some have been known to say that it's the world's greatest. We'll be back next time. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Fracture, and Braintree. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.